0: Welcome in to another great edition of Strong Style. Of course, that makes me Jeremy the Impact York. That makes you guys my amazing listeners, fans, I don't know, maybe accidentally stumbled upon us. Who knows? Either way, welcome in. Of course, as I said, Jeremy the Impact York from Impact Media. Strong Style is our MMA and pro wrestling show where each and every week we go over the things that happen i let you know the things I think you should know, the fun things, what things may actually mean. Because we all watch the same shows. Just sometimes you're like, what was that? And the other things you you might really like and wonder why they didn't keep doing it. Well, we kind of break that down. We kind of spitball some ideas on this show. And uh, we get into, people do this all the time. And uh, I think it's one of the fun things. Of pro wrestling and MMA and and things where there are rankings and and such like that. I mean, you, you can do it and you can do it in other sports, but there's just something about the world of mixed martial arts and professional wrestling that allow you to do this thing called book the territory. Because tonight's episode is called Book. No, it's not about Booker T. It's about booking the territory, and this is what booking the territory means. That that particular phrase comes from um, early on when uh, a territory, you know, it's not as global as it is now. Territory might be uh, the state of Georgia, or maybe uh, the Carolinas, or, or things like that, and. Uh, you would book the territory uh, a lot of times the talent would do it while they were running you know, running from town to town they'd say okay um yeah you you can take on uh this guy and then and then i'll take on that guy and and then uh you know uh you know of course we'd win those and and we'd win those man we could meet and then uh whoever wins between us would would uh, get the title shot and you know things like that it's uh you know, we do it all the time uh just listen to uh, DC and Ariel, and and actually Chael, all do it earlier uh, in the day. Uh, through various podcasts they do and all. Uh, by the way, you should listen to those as far as your MMA stuff. But um, booking the territory, you know, it's when you try to figure out the path for people to take to get where you think they should get. If uh, if your favorite wrestler or your favorite fighter is maybe the fifth ranked person. Well, who could they take on that would propel them into a potential title shot? Or are they a person that could uh, get a title shot right now? You know, you try to choose the path that they would take. Um, Video games kind of let you get into it, but not really, not like kind of doing it in real life. But, uh, you know, as as the night goes on, we'll kind of project a few things there and, and I'll, I'll try to use the term, book or booking or booking the territory so that you guys can see better examples of it uh but let's start with raw let's start with raw right now i'm gonna end with mma so because uh man there are some uh there are some deep things to get into with mma and i want to give them their proper uh justice so to say let's start with raw of course monday night raw from tonight is going on right now i am not watching it because I like to watch it completely through, so that I can give you guys the best analysis and breakdown that I can. But last week, we finally, we finally get to see Alexa Bliss and the Fiend really working together. It's uh, a screen match made in heaven. It, it is only on screen, and no, that does not mean she is available, to people. She uh, is actually—I think she's dating one of the Miz's friends. If you watch his his show. Um, Ryan Cabrera or something, I think. He's a singer. Anyway. Neither here nor there. Um, but uh, there, there's a new entrance with the fiend and a new song remix. He's still using uh, the same song. It's just a different arrangement they're doing with it. And uh, it seems that Retribution has a problem with The Fiend. I, I don't understand why. But, uh, you know, of all the people they could, I, I guess because The Hurt Business is just kicking the crap out of them every week. So I uh, don't don't really see a reason to do that, I guess. Um, but uh, so Retribution comes out and uh, The Fiend disappears. The Hurt Business shows up. And they fight Retribution for a little bit, which leads to the Hurt Business versus Retribution in a uh, four-on-four match. The Hurt Business pretty much railroads them, as as they should. Because we don't know a whole lot about Retribution. The one member that I think I I know who he is, he's pretty good. Uh, Mustafa Ali, the leader, he's pretty good. I don't know enough about the other guys to... To, to, to even compare to the likes of Bobby Lashley, MVP, Shelton Benjamin, Cedric Alexander. I mean, those guys are all polished pros. And these other guys are good, but there's a reason why we don't know who half of them are. Because we don't know who half of them are. Anyway, the Hurt Business gets the win there. Whatever. I think they're wanting to move them on from Retribution uh, to do something else, I'll get into that theory maybe a little later. Uh, AJ Styles took on Matt Riddle. AJ has a uh, a new bodyguard, or I'm not real sure what role he actually has, because that's scaring the crap out of people. Uh, Jordan, a mug or something like that is his name. This dude is like legit. Six ten, seven foot, something. Yeah, he's way taller than AJ, so he's he's probably close to seven foot. I think he was the bouncer at the Raw Underground stuff, but uh, he came out, played a little bit of a part. It really didn't interfere so much, but a little bit of a distraction. AJ uh, picks up the win over Riddle. I, I don't know where they're going with that. I guess watching tonight, we will find out. Um. Lana got her shot against Ashka for the Raw Women's Championship. I'll have to say, Lana is has came a long way from the fake Russian accent and uh, uh, kind of business-like kind of to-do that she had there. But, uh, and she looked okay in this match. But Oshka is, once again, one of the top-level polished pros. And Lana is pretty dang new to, to taking it pretty serious. So uh, Oshka definitely picks up the win there. This also included
1: uh,
0: Naya and Shayna coming out. And as they came out to... I don't know why they came out, actually. It's just kind of weird as they randomly showed up. Uh, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooks showed up. Peyton Royce and uh, Lacey Evans showed up. And the Riot Squad showed up. And then we had an impromptu four-way tag match. Nia and Shana end up winning. And so, in my opinion, that would eliminate all three of those pairings from being contenders. So, who's who's left? B'Elanna, who just lost to Ashka and uh, Natalia, it's like the only team left. Because um, I, I think uh, Kari Sane, I'm not even sure she's still with the company anymore. So her and Ashka couldn't step up together and challenge him. I mean, you just have kind of painted Nia and Shayna into a corner. They've kind of already ran through the division, so... I mean, you're better off having one of these multi-team matches. Have one of the other teams win, and the two of these blow, two of them blow up at each other, and you have them fight, and then that they go on about their merry way, which is probably what will happen. They'll just do it like two weeks way after the fact. Um, Elias came out with a full band. Apparently, as of today, he actually has an album out. I mean, I think it's a legit album. So, congrats, Elias. Because he sang three or four little snippets of songs. Honestly, it didn't sound that bad. Played a little guitar in the process. He can legitimately play guitar. And uh, then he was interrupted by Jeff Hardy, who tried to hit him with a guitar. I guess that'll lead a thing somewhere down the road. Uh, it's weird. I can't call. I don't want to call him the new day. But Kofi and Xavier Woods come out. Kofi took on Sheamus. Kofi ended up getting the win. That was nice. I I, I just don't get where all that's headed, or or if it was just a, a regular match because you just don't know nowadays what they're actually doing. Uh, let's see. Miz and Morrison
1: took on Tucker and. El Grand Gordo,
0: a.k.a. Otis in a Mask and Cape, kind of Nacho Libre style. And uh, that was the cluster that it sounds like, so I'm just going to move on. Because as we get into the pay-per-view results, which I will get into, you'll kind of learn why that was just kind of there. Braun took on Keith Lee. I thought this was uh, interesting. Um, Because you're trying to push Braun as a monster, but you're trying to push Keith Lee as a legitimate contender. So, didn't understand why this wasn't just a no contest or something, but you had Braun picking up the victory, and I will get into why that means something in a minute. Uh, Right after that, Orton had uh the red hell in a cell was interesting i don't know what, if it's because they were on raw or they got it cheaper cuz it was red or I, I don't know they they do weird things at some point they've had blue cages so at this point okay it was a red hell in a cell um But he was in that and he was talking and then McIntyre came out and at one point found his way into the cage by using some bolt cutters that were strategically right over the barrier next to the ring. Shocker. But uh, we will get into that as we get into the pay-per-view results. Uh, I'm going to go through the rest of the wrestling and then we'll get into the pay-per-view. Because we had... Well, because, no, I'll do, I just did Raw. I'm going to do a little bit of SmackDown. In the process of doing SmackDown, after I do SmackDown, I will get into the pay-per-view results. Uh, And and that way, we'll just wipe out all the the WWE non-NXT stuff there. Uh, let's see. The first thing on SmackDown that made any sense to me whatsoever was that Laura Sullivan absolutely just, just ran over, ran through Shorty G. This was the last match in WWE for Shorty G. No, he is not leaving the company. Chad Gable in the back looked dead at Adam Pearce. Shout out, Adam Pearce. Good to see you all on TV. He looked and said, Shorty is done. My name's Chad Gable. Which, the Shorty G gimmick was just ridiculously stupid anyway. So, it's good that he is going to move on from that. We're back to being Chad Gable. Look up Chad Gable. And then look up his dad. forgot his dad's name. Mr. Gable. But look up what they've done outside of WWE. And you'll see why I'm glad he's dropping the Shorty G gimmick and getting more back into the basics of what he is. Look, he knows. He's kind of like a modern-day Charlie Haas. He's got a ridiculously great background in amateur wrestling and, uh, and things like that. And... He knows that more than likely he's never going to be in the big title picture. Might be intercontinental or U.S. champion here or there at some point. But uh, any tag team champ, that kind of thing. But he, he's pretty sure that probably not going to ever be in the big time. So he knows that he's, he's mid-card at best. Um, but you can make a career. It, it's like being a backup in the NFL. You can make a solid, solid career and life for yourself by uh, by being a backup. But he knows. Shorty G's not going anywhere. So I'm, I'm glad that he got them to drop that. And I look, I look forward to see what he's going to do. Maybe he comes out and he's a little more serious. Dan Gable, I believe is his dad's name. Anyway, Larry Sullivan, they're still trying to push him as a uh, modern Schnitzky. Eh, he's okay. We'll see what he can do. Um, you know, right now he's blowing through people, so we'll see. Uh Bad Bailey came out, was uh was actually confronted and then attacked by Sasha Banks. That let that leads us into the pay per view basically. Um, Rollins versus Murphy. Rollins kept kind of doing this whole, I'm better than you. And, you know, what are you going to do about it? There's nothing that
1: you can do about it. That kind of thing. And yet... And yet... Murphy can hang with him pretty good.
0: He, uh... He did some good stuff. I like Murphy. I think I think this storyline with Murphy and Rey Mysterio's daughter is a, a way better storyline than any part that Seth played in it. I think Seth needs to split off. He can't be in the title picture currently. We'll get into that in a minute. But you know, it's uh.
1: It's just one of those things. It's just one of those things where
0: that's kind of the blow-off match. I said Murphy and the Mysterios can continue to have that storyline, and Rollins needs to kind of go back off on
1: on his own. He can keep doing the Messiah stuff, and in the process... You know, in the process, uh, start being to Seth
0: Rollins he was before this awful thing with the Mysterios. Uh, let's see. the Law and other stuff is dumb. Just an excuse to get uh, JBL and Ron Simmons and Teddy Long on camera, which is cool, but it was just goofy. Um, they they kind of in a way they were yeah Bianca Belair versus Zelina Vega, and while a lot of people thought that Belair would just you know just ransacker basically, um it showed how athletic Bianca Belair is, but it showed that Zelina Vega is uh pretty pretty sneaky in in uh, trying to find any way to win whatsoever, and and uh, that that's really defining those two. As far as what they're doing in the ring. So, uh, you know, I I like that kind of stuff. I like what they're doing. And uh, we'll
1: we'll see what they go after that. Let's see.
0: Um...
1: Yeah, that was pretty much it, because
0: that pretty much led into the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. So, let's go over the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, because that's that's going to outline a lot of stuff that, that uh, I couldn't get into a second ago, because I would it have gave it away. Um, it, opened up, uh, it opened up, this was the, I think, the non-pay-per-view part, and uh, Drew Gulak took on uh, R-Truth, the 24-7 title. R-Truth wins, and then he's chased out of the arena by everybody else. I like the 24-7, but, you know, at the same time, uh, sometimes it gets a little overdone. The shenanigans are funny, but having actual matches instead of the matches happening randomly at different places are, um, I don't know, kind of weird. And then, to start the pay-per-view, and this, to me, says a lot about what WWE thought about this. They opened the pay-per-view with Roman Reigns versus Cousin Jey Uso in a Hell in a Cell I Quit match. Normally, this is one of those behind-the-curtain things, I know I've said it before on here, but in case you're kind of new, In case you forgot I said it, usually, usually what you think is your second strongest match is the opening contest on a card. You want to open with something super strong, or sometimes an opening match is just to clear the deck and get it out of the way, and that's what this is. This whole storyline was dumb. The whole point of it was to crown Roman, but you already have King Corbin, so you can't call him King Roman. I guess unless he wins the King of the Ring, which I guess could happen. Um, But he is the tribal chief now, whatever in the crap that means. Because he beats Jey Uso. Because Jimmy came down there, somehow they they fought in and out of the cage. They uh, found the bolt cutters again and continued to To go in and out. I guess Drew McIntyre left him laying around or something. I don't know. But uh, Roman puts uh, Jimmy in a hold. And Jay says he quits so that he'll uh, let go of his brother. And then not to be outdone, if you're going to be the tribal chief or whatever they come up with or whatever that is. Well, Alpha and Sika. Of the famous Samoan family, of of which all three of these people were in, are in are in and a member of. Come down to crown Roman, the tribal chief or whatever that is, and this is this is once again Vince finding a way to backhand a compliment or somewhat slap a big wrestling family while still making money on it because this was just just a parade that Samoans around like this is, is uh, I don't like it. Don't like it. But like I said, they wanted to do this and clear the deck. Now the, uh, now Jay, Jimmy Uso can get back to his rehab on his injury. I think it's a knee injury or something because he currently is not on either brand, even though his wife is on raw and his, brother is on SmackDown, so it'll be interesting to see what they actually do with that, but this match was first, so they could clear the deck, and maybe you'd forget about it by, you know, two matches later, because, and I know you guys are going to ask this too, was the main event always the top match, not necessarily, not in pro wrestling, UFC, yes, usually, the co-main event and the main event are
1: the two best. In pro wrestling, your main
0: event can be your your top, what you think is going to be the top contest, but usually it's about your third best match. And usually about two matches before your main event is the one you think could steal the show. And sometimes it does. In fact, let me look here. This one, that one. Yeah, I w- I would say two from the end might have been one of the best matches on the card. We'll get to that in a minute. We're almost to it. Uh, Right after that monstrosity of uh, making fun of the Samoan family as much as possible, we get Elias versus Jeff Hardy. This is going to be a big feud going forward. It's good to have Elias back. At one point, we thought he might not be in the company anymore because they were so mad at him. For who knows what reason. Kind of the reasons they were mad at Roman, more than likely. For uh, being gone so long during the shutdown, you know, because WWE is more important than a global pandemic. I'm not even better. I'm in a weird mood today. Thanks, WWE. Uh, but uh, Elias actually wins when Jeff Hardy grabs Elias's guitar and hits him with it. That's about right, because Elias should be able to handle Jeff Hardy on his own. Jeff Hardy would need help to beat Elias in my opinion. But we'll see how that goes. I'm sure on Smackdown we will have that rematch. there'll probably be a couple of these of the rematches. Um, that one in particular. Uh, you had Miz versus Otis where it came down to Tucker turning on Otis and in the back he said he's tired of being in his shadow. That means and well not only is the Miz the money in the bank winner. But that means that Otis and Tucker and Heavy Machinery are about to split. Which means one of the two is not going to be with the company much longer. My guess is Tucker. Because Otis seems to have more of the personality. They seem to like him more. But see, I'm going to get into this. And uh, one of our great listeners of this show, Akil Coleman, who uh, is a great friend of mine. Well, We go back and forth. We were going back and forth earlier about this, and I said I am going to break down The Miz being Money in the Bank and all that. But I'm going to get to the Miz part in a minute. But first, I'm going to get to this. Uh, Otis winning the crazy Money in the Bank what, like Titan Tower crazy whatever that crap was match uh was interesting because to me otis is on a tag level and i didn't see him in a singles level unless i thought they were going to repackage him and do some other things and the only thing they did was have mandy have a little bit of a thing for him and then the first thing they do is ship her to the other show and then now they're taking away his tag partner Unless you're going to do something with Otis, they might be getting rid of both of them. So now you had a guy win a match back in, what, March or April, whenever WrestleMania was, or Money, whenever they did it. You had him win that match to where he has a chance in a calendar year to cash in for a world title shot at his leisure. It's like the 24-7 to a point. as as is a referee, and you make the motion – and hand them a briefcase and say, I am 100% cashing in, and they ring the bell, then that's an official match and you have it. I don't care if it's the guy just got knocked down, whatever. You could seriously have it anywhere. So now not only do you take that away from him, so like I said, now uh, he wins a match, gets the girl, tag team starts doing, picking up and doing really well, which they were kind of good anyway. They're a good team. They're interesting. They're entertaining. And then you ship his girl to the other show. Now you're taking away his tag partner. Probably going to get him gone from the company. And then you take away the briefcase. What in the world did Otis ever do to you? At some point, you got to think: Did he get a DUI? Did he? Uh, is he in the nude? I haven't seen a mugshot. shot. I haven't seen. I, I don't understand why Otis is suddenly losing everything. The fact they lost it to the Miz. Okay, I understand that. You need. A credible person, if you're going to move the the briefcase, the Miz is one who has cashed in twice, at least once. May I think twice? Either way, uh, moving it to the Miz, okay. I, I kind of once again, I hate this took away from Otis. It makes sense. A lot of people go, "Why wouldn't you give it to Morrison?" Um, because this Morrison isn't what the old Morrison used to be, and he wasn't the Morrison that we saw at Looch Underground, or that we saw at Impact Wrestling in the past two years. It's like he's lost a step, and he's just, he's hes not, he's not a big-time Johnny anymore. I and I don't know, I mean, he still wrestles good, and he does some good stuff, it's just he's not where he was. The biz, at any point, makes sense that he would connive his way into a title shot, to which he has. There's this thought as well that Survivor Series, like 11-22-2010, The Miz cashed in on Randy Orton and won the title. Well, Survivor Series this year is supposed to be in the same venue as it was 10 years ago, and it's going to be 11-22-20, and a lot of people think that maybe he'll cash in there. I don't think so. One, that would be bad guy on bad guy. They're not going to turn Randy Orton good. They're not going to turn The Miz good. That that would be bad business because they're both really good at being heels right now. But I brought up this thought right before we came on here. The Miz doesn't necessarily have to cash in on the show that he's on. This gives you leeway for him to go to any show. So... Yeah, he could cash in on the Raw champ, which, spoiler alert, we'll get into in a minute, is Randy Orton. Because I just said Randy Orton. Uh, He could cash in on Roman Reigns. Or, stay with me on this, it's stretch. But it's just quirky enough for WWE to consider it. And this would actually be an interesting shakeup for a little bit. They could even make a special ruling that he is allowed to be there because he's the champ. So what if he cashes in on Finn Balor and NXT? Now a lot of people would say, why would the Miz stoop to that level? Well, I, I would argue that NXT majority of their people could go with majority of the people on Raw and SmackDown. So it's not I don't consider it a step down. They're they're on pretty equal footing most times. And in fact, NXT is Probably the second best wrestling show on each week behind AEW. What if he goes down and cashes on Finn Balor? Maybe Finn, because Finn has a uh, a cracked jaw or something like that. Kyle O'Reilly beat the holy hell out of him, but he, he, he returned the favor. Um, I think O'Reilly's still not cleared. But what's to say that he doesn't cash on Finn or they don't have a special tournament because Finn is injured to um crown a new champ and as soon as name your favorite baby face down there or it didn't have to be. What if Tommaso Champa wins the title and as he's starting to stand up and grab the belt to celebrate, the Miz comes running down, blindsides him, skull skull crushing finale, and beats him. Because what's gonna enrage Tommaso Champa even more even more than he normally is? Somebody stealing his spotlight when he finally gets it back, because now it's think about all these matchups. We could get Miz Ciampa. we could get Finn Balor, Miz, we could get Miz versus Johnny Gargano, Johnny Wrestler. We can get there's so many good matchups that we can get that involve the Miz and the great, great top wrestlers down there. So that's my theory. I'm, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to say that if The Miz is going to cash in, why not do it? He might do it at the next TakeOver, the next whatever pay-per-view they're going to have down there. The Probably the day before Survivor Series type thing. Because you'll see The Miz kind of just kind of wait. The way we'll know is they're kind of in the waters. And what I mean by that is he's not going to really get into it. He, like Him and Otis may get into it a little bit. They may have a match or two as a blow-off match to end their feud to show that, oh, this is not going to win it back. But when the Miz is kind of not really getting into it with anybody, if he's just coming out, maybe they're doing their talk show a lot, different things like that, then I would say almost 100%. I would say 95%. If he's not really getting into a program with anybody, then I bet he goes to NXT. And why not let him be down there for a little while? Hey, Man down there. Why not let him be over there for a little while? He could come back later. At some point, we could send John Morrison there, too. He could have some fun little matches. There's some people I would love to see him match up with. You get kind of a fresh opponent's breath of fresh air for everybody involved. And at the end of the day, the WWE would actually have a shake-up that was worth talking about. Imagine that. But I digress. Um, other stuff. Uh... Sasha Banks ends up beating Bailey. Akil asked me uh, my opinion on how long, because he knows I'm not a Sasha Banks fan. How long her reign could be, because she usually loses her first defense almost every time she's at the title. Yeah. Okay. Um, at some point, obviously Sasha and Bailey will have a rematch, or Bailey will somehow get back in the picture. They may write her off for a little bit because she carried SmackDown and parts of Raw for a long time. So they may kind of write her off because I believe Sasha used a chair to do the bank statement. And that's how she ended up winning. Um, how long is her reign? I don't know. I feel like she's going to keep it a couple, a couple defenses, a couple months. I would say two to three months. And because uh, you kind of had, I mean, she's kind of going face right now. She could easily flip the heel again. Um, I I don't know unless you send Nia or Shayna back to or over to SmackDown. I, I, there's not really another master heel to take it off of her. So, I mean, she could she could have it for uh, a good little while. So uh, I guess to answer your question, Akil, um, my guess is is two to three months or two to three title defenses, or until Bailey comes back. But it could also be six months. She could have it to Royal Rumble, which is which is about that long. She could have it till WrestleMania. She she is still a little bit of a draw. Um, I think you would need, a, you know. If you had, like, Ronda coming back, her and Ronda at WrestleMania would work. I don't think her and Bailey would. I mean, but at some point, Charlotte's going to come back. I think Charlotte's on Raw, though. Either way, until I see a master heel or a big face that could take it off of her, Sasha's probably going to be the champ for a little while. Uh, next match they had was for the U.S. title and Lashley defended against Slapjack, one of the men- members of Retribution. They said, uh, this was kind of like a Mike Tyson fight. If you blinked it or decided to uh, use the facilities, you probably missed this match. So, uh, lastly picked up the victory. Had him in the Hurt Lock, which is the full Nelson he's been using lately. Um. I don't know why this was such a squash. I think it was probably an added match because one of the other ones ended early. Or they needed to fill some time. And then, like I said, Orton defeats McIntyre. They go in and out and up on top and all over the place. Um, just various things. Do some really good things. And um, the age of Orton should be back for a while. How long? I'll answer that one. It killed an that system, but some other people did. How long should this age of Orton be? Well, who who is his opponent? This this would be booking the territory right here, booking the territory to a point. You're looking at Orton, who is a heel, aka bad guy. Best way to put it. Um, Drew is probably going to get a rematch of some kind. It's probably happening tonight on Raw. Whatever. It, it was time to move it off of Drew. I made that case last week. You have Orton. People have suggested Edge could come back. Okay. Um, I suggested Keith Lee, but you just had Keith Lee lose to Braun, so I would have to side with Braun on that one. You could have Braun in Orton. Okay. Um, I don't know that Braun is, is big enough stature-wise, not physicality, physically, but stature-wise. If he's got enough clout to be able to take it off of Orton, I would say no. Um. I would say AJ Styles, but he is a heel as well. Possibly the second best heel on Raw, uh, just because he just got there. Um, and he's got the bodyguard now, so there's no way that he's going to be a face. It just—I uh, think you're—you're you're running out of opponents. I think you're—you gotta kind of start building somebody up. Um, maybe the Fiend. He's. People really like the pairing of him and Alexa Bliss, so uh, you can have Orton in The Fiend. You can have Alexa Bliss play a little part in there. I guess that could work because, I I mean, I kind of want Orton to keep it for a while. But if he drops it to The Fiend, I don't have a problem with that either because The Fiend kind of bounces in that weird gray area that technically Orton is too where he's kind of not good, kind of not bad. He's just him. Uh, He's kind of in that. So, you know... Why not one of those two? I think those are the guys I would build on going forward. I think you could do a big enough program. I wouldn't do Survivor Series because it's coming up too quick. If I was going to push The Fiend and Orton, I would think Royal Rumble. Because then that gives you some leeway moving into the WrestleMania season. Because technically, the road to WrestleMania starts on Royal Rumble night. But that's enough WWE. Now i got to fly through this other stuff. Because we got tons of MMA to talk about. And we're 40 minutes deep. Holy crap.
1: Uh, Impact Wrestling. Rhino, Heath, Alicia Edwards,
0: Cousin Jake, and Hernandez all had a match. Where the loser is now going to be number one in the 20-person gauntlet. Whatever their crazy multi-person match they're doing. And... Uh, the winner was number 20, or Hernandez pin Rhino. And we also know that if Rhino or Heath do not win this match, this week's 20-person match, if one of them don't win, then they're both gone from the company. Well, Rhino just has really started to build up again, and Heath just showed up. So you're either going to get some weird thing where they're they're able to stay or earn their way back or one of them are going to win that match. But either way, it's another multi-person match that reminds us of old, goofy WCW days where things like Judy Bagwell on a pole was an actual match. Nobody should be on a pole. It's stupid. And a, a multi-person match so we can get everybody some camera time. Welcome to Impact Wrestling. Uh, Rosemary took on Havoc. These are two of the better wrestlers they have in the women's side, in my opinion. Rosemary gets the victory there. Um, I could go on a big rant about the lost opportunity of Rosemary as one of the best wrestling talents they've had in a while. And the thing that caused um, that rocket to be kind of knocked off her back. And it really had nothing to do with her. She was kind of the innocent bystander in it. But you're going to have to catch me at a bar or, or uh, you know, at a cookout or something to uh, get that and uh, my two cents on that. But uh, Rosemary wins that one. Uh, Bound for Glory, of course, is this Saturday. I will go over. I will go over the. If I can find it. Yeah, I'll go over the, uh, the matches on that here in a second. Uh, we had Sammy Callahan versus Eddie Edwards. Sammy Callahan ends up winning when uh, Shamrock comes out to uh, kind of stir things up. Shamrock is getting uh, got inducted into the Hall of Fame over the weekend. That was on Saturday. That's uh, Bound for Glory. I'll tell you the results here in a minute. Uh, he got inducted, I believe. The Rock and some other people were involved in that, but good for Shamrock, man. He, he did some good stuff for Impact Wrestling in the day. This gets you back in the limelight. That's cool. Uh,
1: let's see. Willie Mack, Chris Bay, and Trey. Oh,
0: Willie Mack, Chris Bay, Trey, from... I forgot the name of their team. But, and TJP took on Rohit Raju, Chris, no, that's Chris Bay there. Willie Mack, Trey, and TJP took on Rohit Raju, Chris Bay, and Jordan Grace. These are all people that are going to be in the, or that were in the match at Bound for Glory for the X Division Championship. Honestly, I kind of hope Jordan Grace won the whole thing. This is a cluster. Trey ended up getting the win. It meant absolutely nothing. Last match they had was the North versus the Good Brothers. These are two pretty good... Well, this is one good team and one exceptional team. Uh, It, it just ended up being a, a little bit of a four-team melee at that point. Uh, Let's go to... Uh, apparently, Bret Hart sent a message to Ken Shamrock as far as being in the McFoley Foley and some other people. Oh, wow. Matt Stryker and Don Callis were the announcers. All right, here we go. The Rascals, which is Desmond Wentz, took on the Deaners. I like Rascals. That was what I was thinking of. Okay. Uh, the Deaners ended up winning that one. Ken Chermach's Hall of Fame induction. Uh, here's the big match I saw him out with, uh, for the X-Division, Six Way Scramble. Uh, Rohit Raju figured out a way to win, how did he do that? Let's see. Oh, he waited until somebody got knocked down and jumped on him. Okay. Sounded like a blah thing to me. Uh, here's that big... Okay, basically, this 20-person match is a is a Royal Rumble, but there's only 20. Start with two, every minute another one comes in. You can only eliminate by throwing your opponent over the top rope. This continues, with only two remaining. The final two compete in a singles match to be won by pinfall or submission. And uh, you get a future championship opportunity they're choosing anytime, place, a.k.a. weird money in the bank with no ladders.
1: Um, looks like Navari came back, which is cool because he works
0: in there in the back with them anyway. Um,
1: looks like Hornswoggle may have had something to do with
0: this. A, this was men, women, children, everybody. It's, it's crazy. Cowboy James Storm. Which is weird, because I had heard he was going back to WWE,
1: maybe. Uh, apparently, Rhino won. So, good for Rhino. Good for Rhino.
0: That means uh, they, they stick around. Um, EC3 versus Moose in an undisclosed location. Yawn. The two of them should wrestle. And EC3 would wrestle circles around him. Um... Eddie Edwards versus Ken Shamrock. Yeah, I was thinking Ken Shamrock would probably win. Then the big title match, the big tag title match with, uh, uh, Motor City Machine Guns, the Good Brothers, the North, and Ace Austin, awesome, Madman Fulton. Um. The North ended up winning. Okay, they're a credible team. Um. Diana Perrazzo, who
1: I don't think is that good, versus Kylie Ray, who I think is exceptional Apparently something happened and Kylie didn't show
0: up uh so Sue Young comes out. And uh, she is the new Knockouts champ, so good for her. Eric Young versus Rick Swan. Rick Swan's now the Impact champion. That
1: okay?
0: It's they're just passing the belt around to everybody now because that's that's nowhere close. I like Rick Swan, but Eric Young is is one of the most technical wrestlers in their company by far, but in a lot of companies. Uh, AEW, there's, uh, these were some tournament matches. Wardlow took on Jungle Boy. Wardlow won that one. Jungle Boy did pretty good. Wardlow's a pretty decent wrestler. Uh, Kenny Omega has a just wicked killer entrance now, and he ran over Sonny Kiss like it wasn't even close. Uh, Penta El Zero M, a.k.a. Pentagon Dark, Pentagon Jr., whatever you want to call him. Took on his brother, his real-love brother, Ray Phoenix. Uh, look that one up. I didn't know that myself, and I've been watching wrestling for years. Uh, Phoenix ended up getting the victory in that one. Uh, Hangman Adam Page took on Colt Cabana. Hangman takes the win on that one. I believe that means we're going to get Kenny Omega, Ray Phoenix, Hangman Page, Wardlow. Could be wrong. Um... The MJF Jericho dinner, where it broke into a show tune, was just weird, and it was pretty good. Turns out the two of them are not bad singers. I knew Jericho could sing; MJF's not bad, but uh, I I just don't get. At some point, these two are going to have a match, and I think it's Jericho passing the torch to MJF, and that will be the rocket they strap to his back, aka the super push for him to go up and uh, potentially be world champ, which I think is. Is uh I know he's already lost to the current world champ, but um you know is what it is. I, I think the next time through he'll get it. Um Killian King took on Dr. Brett Baker. Brett Baker ended up with a win on that one. The Young Bucks took on Butcher and Blade with the return of the bunny. What baffled me was when I found out over the weekend that the Bunny and the Blade are together. And then when I found out what the Blade's actual name was, I remembered from Impact Wrestling that they're together. That was cool. But uh, the Young Bucks ended up just, or it was the Young Bucks versus Butcher and Blade versus Private Party versus Silver and Reynolds from The Dark Order. The Young Bucks end up getting the victory. They're suddenly pushing the Young Bucks something fierce. Good. That's what I'll say about that. Good. NXT had Kushida versus Ciampa versus Dream to open up. This is a pretty decent match. Kushida ended up winning. Kushida Miz. Interesting. Just saying. Ciampa is interesting. Dream Miz. Eh. Uh, Jesse Kamea took on Ember Moon in another return match to make Ember Moon look exceptional. She's she's knocking off the ring rest rest real quick. She's going to be in a title picture pretty soon, I believe. She won that one. Austin Theory took on Bronson Reed. Austin Theory, they think really highly of. Bronson Reed, they like a little more. He got the win on that one. And victories and defeats are not always about how much they like somebody. It's what they're wanting to do with them. They want to keep Bronson Reed on the up and up because I, they think they can do something with him. I believe them. Um, Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish were attacked in the back. Kyle O'Reilly uh, gifts his uh, tag team title shot later that night versus Brizongo to Danny Burch and Oney uh, Lorcan, a team I really like. There's a lot of good teams in NXT. But uh, they get the tag team title shot versus Brizongo. We will talk about it just shortly. Uh, Cameron Grimes had an interview with uh, Dexter Loomis staring at him through a window. I like both of these talents. It's just such a weird program they're running. They're not they need to get weirder, I think, because the two, the two of them are very weird. Uh, but uh, that led us to the tag title match where Brizongo took on. Only Lorcan and Danny Birch, with the help of a hooded assailant, your new champs, Birch and Lorkin, and the hooded assailant. Who this this was fantastic. I was curious what had happened on this front, but when the person that stood in the ring, took their hood off. It was Pat McAfee, Pat McAfee, who just helped Birch and Lorcan become the new tag team champions. Um, If He's going to manage them or be associated with them or maybe just maybe he's putting together a little group to go against the undisputed era. I just thought of that off the top of my head. They would need a fourth person.
1: Not sure who they'd get right off. Nobody
0: here is really jumping to mind. There'll be somebody though. They're going to put somebody in their in their group, and um, could be a four on four, maybe at I don't know Survivor Series. That could be interesting, right? Right. We just kind of spitball. We just kind of that's another book in the territory right there, as uh, we're, we're spitballing the ideas of the path of how the Undisputed Era is going to take on Pat McAfee. I think it's going to happen. It's gonna happen. now, of course the undisputed era are gonna have to all get medically cleared because almost every one of them are not medically cleared to compete. That's why none of them competed this week. They got they all got pretty dinged up. So that is what it is. Uh, that leads to Ring of Honor. Now I promise we'll get into MMA. Gosh, this is gonna be a long show. Uh, in the pure tournament semifinals, you had Lethal versus Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. Is it? Weirdest nickname. It really is. Uh, Tracy Williams ended up with the win on this one over Lethal. And then my pick. Josh, the Goods Woods took on the octopus, Jonathan Gresham, who is from right here, right? uh, Probably an hour from where we're at now. But uh, yeah, up uh, right outside the greater Atlanta area is where Jonathan Gresham, as I mentioned before. I saw him back when he was coming up through there, especially in the training grounds and such, and uh, he was really good then. He's exceptional now. Um, Gresham's fantastic. I really like Josh Wood, so I, I really like, think they're going to do some good things with him because he lost this one. And instead of getting Gresham lethal, we're going to get Tracy Williams Gresham. I almost think they're going to give the title to Tracy Williams. Dad, okay. Because you don't want Gresham with the pure and the tag titles. So unless they're going to drop the tag title soon, then I don't don't see a reason to do that. But that's what we're going to get in the finals, Tracy Williams versus Gresham. Um, Like I said, the fact that Woods made it this far and was one match away, one three count or one tap away from being in the finals of the pure tournament, tells you they think a lot of this guy. They think a lot, and I think uh, having Silas Young beside him, there, there's a lot of stuff that Josh is going to do very, very soon, and uh, I look forward to it. I'm behind you, man. Uh, Matt Taven and Vincent decided to just tear up everything at ringside and tear each other up in the process. At some point, these two are going to have just a knockdown down drag-out match. They, they were kind of starting to here, and... I don't know, it just just got weird. But these two guys are weird. They're former partners.
1: It's just, I don't know, it's just bizarre. It just,
0: that's what it is. It's just bizarre. But that, that knocks out all the wrestling. So, let's talk about UFC 254. Uh, the the matchups that I think you need to know about. We will start with Dayeon Jung versus Sam Alvey in the light heavyweight division. This ended up in a split draw. We had like 29-28, 29-28, or no, 29-28, 28-29, 28-28, or something like 27-27, whatever it was. It was a split draw. To which both of them kind of went, huh? It's like when Donovan McNabb, didn't realize you could have a tie in football as most of us didn't realize years ago. And he goes, I, I didn't even know you could tie. Apparently, you can in MMA too without it being a no contest. So that is what it is. Um, Oliveira took on Rachmanov in the welterweight division where uh, Rachmanov, I butchered that name, sorry, Rachmanov with the get, get a team victory in round number one, four minutes and 40 seconds in big victory for him going forward. Uh, You could, you could see a couple of these guys are going to get potential belt shot down the road. And by down the road, I mean, soon down the road, Uh, Kenny took on wood in a, uh, a a catch weight, which it's like one seventy. It's in between a couple different ones. I, I, I guess either one of them didn't make weight or they decided to go on a uh, a middleweight or something. I mean, not middleweight, but something in the in the middle of the two. I don't know. But uh, they ended up being a unanimous decision for Kenny. That's a pretty good fight. Uh, Struve took on uh, Tua Vassa in a heavyweight bout. Tua Vasa who had lost three his last three fights. Well, he gets a victory here. KO in round number one. Four minutes and 59 seconds in, yes, right before the bell. But, uh, like he said, most of the time you can't lose three or four in a row in the UFC and still be employed. He thought he was fighting for his job. He dang near he he near probably was. Uh Uncle uh, took on It Ended up being a round one KO for Ankaleev, four minutes and nineteen into round number one. Uh, Lauren Murphy. Who I'm a big fan of. Lauren Murphy took on uh, Lilia Shakarova. Lauren ends up with the big victory submission, round number two, three minutes and 31 seconds in. Lauren Murphy's probably maybe one fight away from, uh, you kind of got to think in her division. Got to start thinking about her in in, uh, a co main at least. Just saying. Uh, Malkoon took on Hawes, where Hawes got the round one KO 18 seconds in. Yeah, Mike Tyson fight. Blink and you missed. Volkov took on Harris. Volkov got the KO in round number two, minute 15 in. Whitaker took on Cannoneer. Unanimous decision for Whitaker. I think that uh, pushes him back up towards uh, some top level stuff. And in the process, I think is right there too. But uh, Whitaker, I I don't know if he's that big on getting a title shot or not. Or even I think uh, it took a toll on him being champion before because he took the big nine month break after he lost the belt to just kind of I think refocus. Uh, I think the pressure was getting to him, and uh, I think he just wants some good fights. So if he ends up in title picture, great. And if you don't, I think he's cool with that too. And then we had the main event of UFC 254.
1: Yeah, Khabib. Nurmagomedov. I know it. Nurma. Anyway, Khabib.
0: Before I butcher that even more. Versus Justin Gaffey. Yeah, the champ. Versus the interim champ, Khabib, with the round two submission, one minute and 34 seconds in.
1: Uh, The big thing on this one,
0: if you look at some of the videos, or if you watch the fight, Justin said, if Khabib gets me near the fence, then it's over because it will push me up against the fence and it'd be down and take me down. So in round one, they ended up on the ground and uh, Khabib was, was going for the ground and pound, but I think he saw an opening and the opening was for a submission. So in round number two, when he took him down uh, from what Daniel Cormier said, and Cormier is training partner, slash teammate of, uh, they both, uh, I think A.K.A. is what it is, American Kickboxing uh, Academy. They are part of the same gym. And he said that Khabib told him that since Justin's family was there or something, that uh, he he knew Justin had already said that he was not going to tap out. So instead of putting him in the arm bar that he wanted to, because I think the arm bar was one of Khabib's uh, late father's favorite holds, that he was going to finish him with that, but he knew he'd have to break his arm to do it. He didn't want to break his arm in front of his family, so he went for the triangle choke so that he could just put him to sleep, he could wake up and everything be okay. Uh, The the fact that he even thought about that and thought about that in the moment and and ahead of time is, is just something else. And speaking of something else, uh, Khabib, as he was doing his, uh, I would call it exit interview, you know, post-match, he, he's in there, uh, you know, he starts taking the tape off and taking his gloves off. And then he sets his gloves down in the middle of the octagon and says, I promised my mom this would be the last one. So at 29 a, Khabib Nurmagomedov. I think is how you say. It. I think I just said that right. Has officially retired from all competition. Um, he promised his mom this would be the last one because his mom did not want him to continue fighting without his father, who, like I said, recently passed uh, just a couple months back. And uh, uh, he was his trainer and his best friend, and they went everywhere, you know. And and uh, I I don't think there's a more noble thing to do. A lot of people are like, well, yeah, I mean, he's just in his prime. He's just getting better. Oh, he's just 32. There's so much more he can do. And at 29, why wouldn't he go 30? Why wouldn't he try to break this? It's because this is this is just like when Lance Armstrong wrote the, the, the book. It's about more than the bike. Because at this moment, it's about more than MMA. It's about more than the octagon, more than the UFC, more than fighting. It's about more than than Khabib himself. It's about family at this point, and the honor, to honor the wishes of his mother, which would probably be the wishes of his father as well.
1: And uh, to me, what,
0: what more noble thing could you do? and to, uh, to not only honor your, your mother's wishes uh, of probably your late father, but at the same time to uh, to go out on top. He he retires as the champ. And, uh, you know, wish him the best. I'm sure he, he could continue to train other people, may even potentially be in their corner. But as far as him being an active competitor, I think he's done. Because once you make that statement, I don't think you can come back on it. I just don't think you can, you can come back on it.
1: But, uh,
0: you know, truly just a, a legend, not only in the sport, but a, just a truly legendary human being. Everything you hear, um, it's like this. We all know the storied past of Khabib and Conor McGregor. And when Conor heard the news, he immediately went to Twitter and uh, and just had the most praiseworthy post of Khabib and his and his family. And, and it just tells you the respect that Conor has for him and that everybody does so uh, once again wish could be the best going forward in whatever he uh, he decides to do but uh, as far as is uh, MMA I believe I believe he's done but now now we, we got to book this division here we are this is why this is called this episodes called book because now we have to now we have to book the division because you've got Daniel Poirier and Conor McGregor that are going to fight in January. And then you have Justin Gaethje, who was the interim champ, who just lost in the main event. So there are three people and two spots at the dance. So which ones do you do? And you already have that other fight booked. Do you pull one of them? You know, well, I mean, I don't. I don't think it's fair to to uh, to Poirier that you pull him out of it and have Connor and Gaethje. But uh, but you know, Justin just fought. For him to turn around and fight in January. I that's a stretch. February or March would have been better. But we also don't know how how beat up he is. He may be a little. You know, but you got to include Justin, right? He's the inner room. The last inner room they had before Khabib was Poirier, so you could have Poirier, Justin. But then you just took your biggest draw off a card and out of a big match in in Connor. So so what do you do? This isn't this isn't pro wrestling. You can't have all three in a triple threat match. That would just be bizarre. So what do you do? Well, I've heard a couple of the ideas. Uh the one that I like is that uh you do is uh that Justin hangs out just cagey hangs out and he would take on the winner of um Poirier McGregor. Okay, I could go for that, and then that would be for the belt. Well, the other ideas I heard was that McGregor Poirier could be for the belt, and then Gagey takes on—I'm probably butchered his name too. Justin takes on the winner of that uh, for the belt, you know, because they would be the champ. He'd be the person in line. I don't like that because it seems like Justin should should be involved in in it somehow in in the next title match. But can you have the belt on the shelf until let's see if they fight in January? It'd be April or May before that title shot would happen. I mean, that's that's having the belt on the shelf for six months. Uh, I think you you got to do something here. My guess is what they end up doing is that Connor. Versus uh, Dustin, Dustin Poirier. I think you're calling him Daniel Poirier earlier. Dustin Poirier is going to be for the interim championship, to which Justin Gagey is going to take on the winner of that in May, I, I, probably April. I very much think that's what's going to happen. So we just kind of booked that division. We'll see what happens, because Dana White's been on to throw some curveballs, so we will see what he does. Now, that leads us to the events happening this weekend. You have Bellator 250, which will be on Thursday at the Mohegan Sun Arena. That would be this Thursday. Um.
1: Let me go over some of the, the fight card here. Of uh, of is a
0: Musazi versus Lima, by the way, is the main event. Um, here are some of the some of the bouts that I think you should pay attention to. There is going to be a name. That I did not mention earlier, but uh, this would explain why he has not been very active in his other day job, so to say. But uh, let's see. In the middleweight, these are the prelim fights in the middleweight division. You got Dalton Rosta is going to take on Ty quarter You have a three and O versus five and O. This should be interesting. In the heavyweight prelim, Brandon Carleton, who is two and 0 is going to take on Jake Hager. Yep. From AEW, Jake Hager, formerly Jack Swagger. We know Jake Hager. He is two and in Bellator right now. He is gonna take on Brandon Carlton. As I said, that is gonna be worth tuning into because the last time I saw him fight, he destroyed a guy. And uh we're looking at six seven versus six six five, but uh Carlton, maybe two inches shorter, seems to be about eleven pounds heavier. We'll see how that goes. But uh good luck to Jake Hager you got Toby Miesch versus Jared Scoggins in the bantamweight prelim fight, 12-7 versus 10-1. You have the 15-1 Adam Borix taking on Eric Sanchez, who is 5-2, in the contract weight, 150-pound contract weight. That means they uh, made their own weight for this one. Nick Newell. He seems familiar. Nick Newell at 16-3 in the lightweight division is going to take on the 11-7 Zach Zane. In the featherweight, you have two guys who are making their debut in Cody Law and Orlando Ortega. They don't have records in Bellator. In the middleweight division, Johnny Eblen at 6-0 is going to take on the 6-1 Taylor Johnson. That should be a fun one. In the welterweight, you have Saba Hamasi taking on Bobby Volker. These are two veterans. This should be a lot of fun. And then the main card. Yeah, Brandon Gertz in the featherweight division. This is one of the co mains at 16, 9, and 0. Taking on Henry Corrales, 17, and 5 and 0. Uh, that, that should be fun. That should be an interesting one there. Both of them uh, looking to, uh, you know, one or two good victories from, from being back up in the title hunt, I believe. In the f- women's flyweight, you get Veta Artiga at 5 and 4, taking on Desiree Yanez at 5 and 2. You good to see the girls throw down. And then uh I think it's Jigard Musasi at 46, 7, and 2 in the middleweight division, taking on the 32 and 7 Douglas Lima. That's, that's gonna be a hell of a one. Uh so in case you can't be in Uncastville, Connecticut, aka where the Mohegan Sun is, uh think you can get tickets it's showing me that you can get tickets here that is just insane but um that is going to be this thursday i believe around eight it may not be eight but we will see and then of course not to be outdone the ufc is having ufc fight night this friday i think i'll actually be available this friday to watch it won't that be something The UFC has UFC Fight Night this Friday. I believe prelims probably start around 8. I think the main event starts at 10.
1: Okay, we got the, here are the prelims. Okay,
0: it's being weird, but uh, it is Uriah Hall versus Anderson Silva. A lot of people think Anderson Silva, this could be one of his last fights. It's crazy to know that he has had the 11-year run that he has. But uh, it's funny that they they when Uriah Hall first started kind of coming on the scene, that they said that he might be the next Anderson Silva, and the fact that Anderson Silva may have his last match against him, that's pretty entertaining. That's, that's some weird coincidence that um, something only the minds of an Eric Bischoff could have put together, although I'm pretty sure he had nothing to do with this. But... We're over an hour 15 in. Yikes. Hopefully you guys stuck around to the end. If you didn't, I totally understand. But of course, if you didn't stick around to the end, you wouldn't be hearing me right now. But, I'm Jeremy the MPEG. That's going to do it for us. Here on Strong Style. This is called Book. I think Book the Territory. Hopefully I educated you guys a little bit. Talked to you guys a little more about the underground and things going on. Once again, I'm Jeremy the Impact. Lord. Shout out to all you amazing people who listen to this each and every week. Tell your friends. Rate us on iTunes. Give us a rating review. Uh, drop me a line. Maybe we'll, uh, somewhere down the road when this all opens up, we'll uh, all go catch the same event together. But we'll see you guys next week.
1: Deuces, gooses.